0: I'm Gio,
1: I'm Lupe, and I'm Josh, and,
2: and
0: we're, the we're the Movie Night Game!
3: We're a group of five adults with a shared love for animation.
0: Each episode, we discuss news within the film and animation industry, and our views on any particular movie we watched that week.
2: Heads up, our podcast is not
1: spoiler-free.
2: To
4: gain the full experience, we recommend watching the movie we're discussing today before listening.
1: And now, our featured presentation.
3: Tonight, we watch The Emperor's New Groove. Directed by Mark Dindal. Set in the Incan Empire, the Emperor's new groove follows young and self-centered Emperor Cusco, who is transformed into a llama by his ex-advisor, Isma. For the Emperor to change back into a human, he trusts a village leader, Pacha, who escorts him back to the palace. Wow! Look at me go. Yeah! (laughs) So we're back with some news. We have a new member. Hi, Josh.
2: Yeah.
1: All <laughs> yeah, right, Josh. Go Josh. It's like, yes. no, it's like
2: Sesame Street when they got a new puppet or some, something, and they're just like, hey.
3: <laughs> um, previously he was a guest, but now he's an official member. Give it up for Josh. Oh, yeah. oh I love
1: Josh. Oh, that's me. Hi. Yeah, you, okay. Hi, I'm Josh. Okay. No, Hello, good. I'm Josh.
3: Alright, so here's a recap and a little bit about ourselves. Josh and I are the graphic designers. Derek's the head chief, and we all are gonna learn how to edit the videos. Videos. videos.
1: The head chief.
3: The head chief isn't that what it's called? Head yes, sir. I no. mean, boss. I mean, puma. <laughs> <laughs> the chief. He's the chief yeah, editor. That's what I meant. He's a chief editor and we're all assistants learning how to edit these recordings. Podcast. (laughs) Podcast recordings. And (laughs) I do social 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 media. media. Yeah, Gio's a social media manager. And Lupe. I'm here for moral support. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Just got
4: into
3: a song. Ooh, oh, yay. Hey, <laughs> okay, that was good. <laughs> it's from- It's from Hannah Montana! Oh, <laughs> you know thought <laughs> <laughs> Alright, now let's get into the news.
0: Oh, I gotta get the news bios. Cause I need like a specific thingy for the news. I gotta remake mm-hmm. that again. What you gonna
4: talk about this movie? And everything about
0: it? Like, like No, like, that's more like when we actually get into the podcast. Yeah. All, let's get into the news. Breaking news. Bikini Bottom residents have been attacked by a raging torrent of robot horror. So, Star Wars Visions is an upcoming animated series on Disney Plus. What makes this series different from most Star Wars series is that it's going to be an anime anthology series. And it will consist of nine short films produced by six different Japanese animation studios, which I will not list because I'm pretty sure nobody here or anybody listening will know what any of these studios are, except for maybe Production IG. Um, but anyway, each episode will tell its own story in the Star Wars universe and will be released on Wednesday, September 22nd. So by the time you're listening to this, it will already be released. So Go check it out. Yeah.
3: Sounds
2: cool. Yeah. yeah, I'm not a Star Wars, I've never seen anything Star Wars, but it sounds pretty cool. Yeah. It's cool,
0: yeah. You guys see the trailer for it?
3: I saw no,
2: pictures.
0: It's, <laughs> cool. it's really cool. Like, even just, like, the small, like, snippets they show, are like, it's it's so cool. Like And what I love about is that, uh, yeah, it's, it's a non-canon anthology series, so that means every director has creative freedom to do whatever they want in the Star Wars universe, so they can, like, make crazy, like... Six wheeling lightsabers, freaking like Sith powers that don't even exist in the main canon. Like, they can like, literally do like whatever they want. And um, I was talking to Gio about this the other day how I-, I think this is like really fitting that Disney's doing this with Star Wars because Star Wars itself is already inspired by Japanese film. Like, um, George Lucas has always said that one of his main inspirations for the original Star Wars was uh, Kurosawa's films, like, um, which I-, I never mind, I'm not even gonna because I don't even know Kurosawa's films, but he. He was always so inspired by those kind of samurai films, and I think I like how they're bringing everything back full circle and making an actual anime Star Wars finally after all these years. So that's really cool, and I'm I'm happy they're making this. What are the studios? He said but
3: he's I'm not
0: going to Fine, I will. I, no, I'm not going to name the studios. I was going to you.
3: You look it up later. Yeah,
0: you look it up later or when it, when it comes out. I don't even know if they're going to say one each episode.
3: We are but... not sponsored.
0: Yeah, we are
3: not sponsored by
0: Disney+. Obviously. Mmm, <laughs> that cheeseburger
3: you do not want. I do not want that cheeseburger. Those
1: fries give Yoda. Here, have my fries. Your drink desire you not. The Diet Pepsi, I do want. Want you not.
0: Do not want. This summer, grab a Diet Pepsi and see Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. Mm. All right, in our next bit of news, this is more so general film news, but I think this does affect the animation industry, particularly Disney and their theatrical films. So uh, this past weekend, uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings was released in theaters. And thankfully, the movie did so well in the box office, it made $75 million in its opening weekend, which is the new record for the all-time U.S. box office. And that's even more substantial. The fact that this is still a pandemic year and not every theater in the country is open. The fact that the movie made that much money and has that new record just shows the power of the filmmakers behind Shang-Chi and how much love and passion they put towards it. So that's that's really awesome. It was so good! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the movie was... I know! But yeah, as of right now, the movie has made one hundred and forty-five million dollars domestically here in the U.S., and it has a worldwide gross of two hundred and fifty million. So that's that's actually like really, really. What was that? What was that?
4: You are shamed, Sean. shamed. Shame.
3: When we get to the point of like making animated bits of these, like bloopers and everything. Josh is going to have the face that Pancha had. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the, the film has done really good this past month, or so, however long it's been released. And now Disney has announced that because of how well Shang-Chi did, they're going to keep every movie that was supposed to release this year in theaters. So, Eternals, and uh Spider-Man, like they're all going to be still be kept in theaters. So a lot of people were concerned that if Shang-Chi didn't do well, because he would have been like, oh, well, we can't release movies in theaters, we are not going to make money. So, now that this movie actually did well, it shows that <laughs> theaters are still alive and kicking well. And that's great.
3: Speaking of Spider-Man, have you seen the trailer for Spider-Man 2? Nope.
0: Oh, the, the game? Yeah. yeah, it looks cool. I mean, yeah. that's, that, that's the only thing I can only say it looks cool because like, I didn't play the original, so. Oh, it's it, it looks cool. As I'm, I'm someone, high. okay, we can't.
1: As someone who, who, oh I'm Josh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> as someone who played the Marvel Spider-Man game when it came out back in 2018 twice and then replayed it in the remastered version for the PS5 twice and played uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales twice. <laughs> I started Miles. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I, I can say that Marvel Spider-Man 2 is going to be even greater regular it looks amazing and the fact that they're continuing the story right where you left off is great they switched up all the suits but yeah i i I think
0: 2022 will be another 2018 where it's like a big year of spider-man hell like that year we got infinity war we got iron spider in that movie that was great we got the ps4 game we got spider-verse and now in 2022 we're going to get the sequel to the ps4 game we're getting no way home this december and then we're getting uh, Spider-Verse 2 at the end of next year. So it's like mm-hmm. so much Spider-Man stuff. And so I'm great. so
3: glad they're bringing Venom into the game. Because yeah, there's going to be carnage in the movies. It's going to
1: be so cool. <laughs> that's great. I guess one small problem I have about the game necessarily is that they're not going to introduce Green Goblin because uh, Norman, yeah, something happens to him in the games. But then Harry takes over as Venom. So he's not able to take over as Green Goblin. But it's still it works yeah but the going back to Shang-Chi um one thing that did made me realize though is like the movie is doing well it
0: is making a lot of money but a lot of people especially on like Instagram like a lot of people were posting it made me realize that a lot of countries still don't have their theaters open because like the the way that those countries are handling the pandemic situation they just can't open them and Disney doesn't have any like ways for people in those countries to watch the movie So I just realized like a a lot of movies that people have been talking about here in the States the past few months, like Suicide Squad and Shang-Chi and all these movies, like people in other countries can't watch them still. And it just like really sucks. Like the whole like HBO situation too, like um, uh, Suicide Squad was released on HBO, but a lot of people were saying like, I can't watch it in my country because Time Warner didn't release the app in my country. yet. So it's like, I think that's still like a really big issue that the film industry needs to figure out going forward is distribution of. Movies since theaters aren't always an option, unfortunately. So, maybe this will give me more ideas of like, how to work through that. So, yeah.
3: Give me a second. <coughs> <coughs> it, keeps it keeps happening, and again, I didn't want it to like, go on. every five seconds. You know?
0: War. It's,
1: it's in your room. What? Wow.
0: Any Any other thoughts on that one? Why is Venom two ninety
1: minutes now? That's not
3: related. <laughs> the animation in Shang-Chi,
0: beautiful. It was great.
3: Beautiful. That's all I got to say. That's
0: taking advantage of pandemic time. I, I applaud every single artist on that movie. Great job. In Spider-Man 2, the game, you have the freedom to go wherever you want, whenever you want. Use amazing new abilities to hop from blacktop to rooftop and save the city one crime at a time. Spider-Man 2, the game. with a for Teen. Hi. Next bit of news. Uh, So, uh, this October, Ghibli Fest is coming back to select theaters. Uh, So, uh, every year, uh, Fathom Events and Studio Ghibli usually releases a lot of their animated films. Well, obviously they make animated films, but I mean, (laughs) I'm not specifying that. But, yeah, they release their movies, usually around the end of the year, around fall and winter. And they release just uh, what they're going to release this year, so... From October 3rd to 6th, Spirit of the Way is going to be re released for the 20th anniversary. I'm hyped to see that in theaters because I've always wanted to see Spirit of the Way on the big screen, and I'm hyped. Uh, October 24th through the 28th, they're going to do House Moving Castle, yeah. so that's that's great. Uh, yeah. November 14th through the 18th, they're going to do Castle in the Sky for the 35th anniversary. And then December 5th through the 9th, they're going to do My Neighbor Totoro. So yeah, those four movies are going to be there for this year.
3: My Neighbor Totoro is like a really good comfort movie. Yes, it, it makes me fall asleep, but in the best way.
0: <laughs> yeah, some people I, I saw like they were like a little bit disappointed with this year's lineup because um, Ghibli usually puts like some of their more obscure movies, well, not obscure but like just like lesser-known movies when they re released them. Like in 2019, that was the last time they did Ghibli Fest. I'm pretty sure uh, Princess Mononoke was one of the movies they did, and more people got to find out about it because they re-released it. Um, but this year's kind of, I, I think they're playing it more safe with the more well-known movies this year because, yeah, it's like a still a pandemic and stuff. Like not every year's show these movies, so that's keeping it to like the the most well-known is like the best way to do it, I think. They're doing
2: Spirited Away during my birthday! Yay! Oh, that's funny because that's like one of my favorite Ghibli movies. <laughs> Yeah, you you I'm, I'm gonna be broke
0: because Ghibli's <laughs> taking all my money to keep going to the theater. Well, actually... Yes. <laughs> um, I thought that you was your use of my impression.
3: You have to do the use of my impression. Pull the lever, grunk! <laughs> no. You could put that you in that somewhere else. the Wrong
4: lever. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I must save the adventure time news for next time. I just want to see everything now, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about that next time. Uh, this last thing kind of came out of nowhere. I just saw a post about this, I just wanted to mention this isn't news. It's just like a this day in history in the animation industry. So today, uh, the day we're recording, September 13th, is Dom Bluth, Dom Bluth's birthday. And for those who don't know, Dom Bluth is a well-known to the animator in the animation industry, and. Coincidentally, on his birthday, he also stole a bunch of Disney animators who went on strike because they were hating that the way that the animation industry was running at that time. So they all left Disney and formed their own studio, which was Don Blue Sullivan Studios, and they made their own movies like Secret of Nim, Land Before Time, American Tale. Yeah, like, there's a, like a distinct Don Blue style, so, like, if you, like, look up his movies, like, you'll probably recognize at least, like, one of them. But yeah, he. He stole Disney Animators on his birthday, so happy
2: birthday, Don Blue, even though this yeah. is not Birthday boy.
0: Bluey. Yeah. For perfect family fun, there's no argument. The Emperor's New Groove, rated G, now playing.
3: So, what was the plot of the Emperor's New Groove?
2: Selfish Llama Boy <laughs> It's not selfish, and not a llama anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd what, you say it like that? I don't know. Selfish Llama Boy. <laughs> like, it is selfish. That was literally
3: the whole... Oh okay. god, no, that was the whole movie. Yeah, yeah it was the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, and what did we think its purpose was?
1: Oh wait, we're really going with that?
3: Well, why? <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you have something else to say, please. Nobody else said anything. I'm asking a question. <laughs> new, new member? <laughs> Look at me. New member, you got something to say? I don't know, I just heard you. The- what are you going to say? What's the plot? <clears throat> don't
4: do what I think you will say. <clears throat>
1: Actually, I think that the plot of 2000's The Emperor's New Grove by Mark Dindle is about the realization of Emperor Cusco's attitude towards others and the way he treats them. And. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna have
0: a stroke. <laughs>
3: and that goes into the purpose of the movie to teach kids to be nice to one another because if you're a selfish llama you get nothing in life You're gonna die yeah.
2: alone yeah that's right I mean. he said that
3: right alone. i
1: think so he said i said that. broke my
2: glasses <laughs> wait no like, okay this is what happened right the leg came the leg. off yeah. The leg of the glasses so, came off. Oh, have... did it actually? For those of you at home who cannot see what is going
3: on, the glasses are gone. I have I E6000 mean, no, have... glue that uh-huh. you can use. I have E6000 glue that you could use to put it back on, but
1: you should just get new glasses. Uh, yeah, but I can't. Why? it's like 10 p.m. not <laughs> <am I> <laughs> right now. <laughs> <laughs> I yes, I meant right this minute, go to I the eye I can't see, so I can't
0: speak. <laughs> Looking for Wait. you, I'm an eye doctor. <laughs> <laughs> the
3: thing was like, turn on that radio, I can't see. Is that what? It's like, it's like um, the hazard is fluid, you have to have it in a secluded area, or in the cover. What? I thought you gotta be outside. Well, you see, <laughs> just, like why would you I be? I just keep it in a corner, covered up until it dries.
2: No, I mean, you said you have to be in a secluded area. You gonna put yourself in a box when you're supposed to be no, outside? No, I mean, like
3: can... the thing. Okay, the I was going I was like,
2: like, wait, you're just gonna. Okay.
3: Yes, I'm gonna lock myself in a room <laughs> with the poison tattooed right, glue. I'm so let's talk about some of the characters who was your favorite Krunk. <laughs> yeah
2: i thought he was just gonna be a, a like a big himbo but like he's actually knowledgeable he's like a he knows, he's knows he knows how to talk to squirrels and he knows wood and and birds That's be, me? but he's also like the type of dude that closes the fridge with his hip <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah
1: this plot I would just oh no my boy. no <laughs> the I
0: take it back no no actually <laughs> most of my notes were on the characters in the movie like it's yeah, like the dynamic of Izma and Kronk like that makes I the movie like, that's the reason why people talk about this movie is because of that dynamic. Like it's the greatest villainous du- duo in Disney history honestly. Like, could I could I
4: chime in um with speaking about Yuzma's character, I love how the casualty, the casualty, the, ca- the, casual, the <laughs> casual, the casual <laughs> moment. I didn't mean to say casualty. I don't know why. In the what?
3: In the. Like ca- hey, hey,
4: stop giggling. Uh,
2: <laughs> the no. casualness.
4: The casualness between like Yuzma and Kronk. Uh, is specifically the one scene that I thought of, which was the scene where she's smashing all the statues, and it's just. You know, like, she's talking about how she, like, hates Cusco and everything, and then she's like, oh, a little bit to the left, and just casually, like, breaks in, and goes back into conversation. Like, I don't know. I just love that.
3: It's just smooth. 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 writing. They have, like, a pinky in the brain dynamic, where even though is supposed to be, like, the brain and everything, Kronk usually does everything for her and actually makes a lot of, like, quick decisions that moves
0: the movie along. Yeah. I actually have, like, a thing about that I I, I realized, like, on this watch of the movie, I, I never thought about this before. Okay, so, like, the two main dynamics in the movie are, like, Isma and Kron, the villains, and then there's Poch and Kuzco, which are the protagonists, and I like, I don't know if it was intentional like in the writing, but, like, I realized they actually parallel each other like, the way the dynamics were because with Kuzco, like, his whole character arc is that he has to learn how to not be selfish, and Pach just, like, like, he sees the good in him. Like, he he doesn't want to give up on him. That's, like, their whole dynamic. That's, like, why why like, the two of them work up each other so well. That's why he succeeds by the end of the movie. But then with Yzma and Kronk, it's, like... Kronk is actually similar to Pacha because Kronk is just, like, a good-hearted, good person. But the problem with Yzma is that she doesn't want to get past her ego. And that, like, she's just, like, stuck in, like, her own mind. That's why, why she ends up losing in the end because she just doesn't want to grow as a character. And I, I think that it... Like, oh, this is, like, perfectly encapsulating the Dinosaur. Like, I think the Dinosaur is the most perfect screenplay in the entire Disney pantheon. Like, that scene from beginning to end is so perfect. It's jokes, its timing, its characters, like, it's, it's so good. And it, that's, even though it's a, it's a joke scene, like, it, it, it shows, like, the differences between those two groups of characters and why their journeys go the way they do in the movie.
2: Honestly, I like I watched this movie as a kid but I didn't remember a single thing from the movie. I feel like that's like every single like yeah, literally nothing. That every <laughs> yeah, no, like, like actually not no, at least with like Barnyard I was like, Oh yeah, you know, the rat. Biggie cheese <laughs> Biggie Cheese. No, yeah. I remember <laughs> that. <Mr>. But <laughs> no, literally I did not remember a single thing except for like the clips of memes that I would watch on internet. But like yeah. that's it. Speaking of memes. I've counted every single
4: moment that I've noticed that there was a meme come up. There are fourteen memes in this movie that you noticed. Yeah, <laughs> that I noticed. There could be more. There could be more.
3: We'll make more. <laughs> we'll make more. It was really cute that the whole time. Um, <coughs> sorry. Yes, <I'm> sorry, <laughs> that was really cute. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, that Cusco and Pancha had like a a father son. dynamic the whole time and by the end he was basically adopted by the family because he didn't have one he had isma and we saw how that went (laughs) i
2: forgot that (laughs) i forgot that Cusco is literally a kid like he just turned 18 in the movie or 16 or 18 i totally forgot that he was even 18 in the
4: first place
2: also, I just assumed like he was. I thought he was just like a twenty something brat, like just <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> no, an it's eighteen something I... brat. I actually, like it's weird. I actually think it's kind of the bold of Disney to make
0: this movie, especially like, at the time they did, because this is just like a pure comedy, and this is coming kind of right off the heels of the Disney Renaissance, where every movie was a straight musical with like a straight story and characters and all that stuff. Like, and Disney was like, nah, bro, we're gonna like. We <laughs> can do whatever we want. It's just going to be, like, nonstop joke after joke. And that's why people love this movie. And I, 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 I'm I, glad the gamble paid off because a lot of studios always try to, like, st- steer away from their formula. and A lot of times it doesn't end up working too well. But, like, this case, it was like, we tried something different and it actually worked because we had a lot. Well, surprisingly, we had a lot of focus with it because there's, there's a whole history of this movie that I want to get into later. But, yeah.
3: I didn't notice a lot of the music within the movie, but the background noises and the sound effects were hilarious. Like there was a oh my little gosh, it's bonk. like point, <laughs> like just yeah, insert. I mean, as
4: for the music, when there are like specifically the times where they take the, the like the time to view um, the scenery of the places, I think the music always fits well. Especially even like at. Cusco's lowest moment, like, the music felt fit very well around, like, showing the palace and then the clouds, moving over to the palace, but when he moves back, and,
2: yeah. I literally wrote down, like, the one part where they were looking at, like, the, the hill, and it changed from, like, day to night. I was like, mm, the colors, the
3: music, I was just like, I want to be there right now. And, yeah. In a way, the Serenity reminded me of Hercules.
0: <laughs> I was, yeah, I was gonna say like so. I, I was gonna mention the art style itself because um, I, I missed like this small period of time in Disney animation where they were being a bit more experimental with their art design because a lot of the Renaissance films were very conventional in their art style. It was like like the typical Disney like uh, soft character designs and like everything's like normal proportioned. Like Hercules was the first movie I feel like that went for a very stylistic design. And, and Bruce New Groove is like the next movie that like took advantage of that too. And then after that, I think Atlantis also does that as well. And I, I really miss that like angular look to these movies. And then I, I, I don't want to rant about it too much, but I just I really don't like how a lot of the 2010s movies just had a very generic looking style and just very unmemorable. I, I miss when they were like so experimental with their art direction, like a movie like this,
3: like the characters had really distinct silhouettes mm-hmm. and like you yes. could clearly tell them apart, even their color schemes especially huh? <laughs> Isma. but like the flow of the animation with the squash and squish and everything, it was really like
0: bold and I liked it. Even like the smallest like minute details like character expressions and movements are just like, it's so, like like a, a small movie like this, like, you, like they put like their heart and soul into the animation, it's like you can just like freeze frame and like see like how much detail each drawing has, it's just like it's so good. Uh,
4: I was gonna mention, speaking of like I felt like I got some like Hercules like vibes to the movie a lot of times. Like I I didn't realize that the I forgot her name again, but the wife to Pasha, like her Chicha Chicha, uh, oh. Chicha Her voice sounded like Meg. Like the same I'm voice actor. Sure it's not Nick, it's yeah. probably not, but it just I don't know. Maybe it's just it sounded very similar.
0: Off topic, fun fact, but the voice of Meg from Hercules, she was in the English stuff, the spirit of the way
3: Oh!
0: Yeah, she was the one lady, I don't know, I haven't seen the movie in a few years, though, but she was the one. Yeah, that,
3: the one lady, yeah, the, the one cool. that likes the, the charred-up lizard. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and um, uh, the main girl, she's Lilo from New and Stitch.
3: What? Oh, yeah! I probably should, I probably should
0: watch the Yeah, come with us, Ghibli Fest! Okay. <laughs> oh no
4: i said we're
0: going yeah we all going
2: okay so yeah poncho and chicharron they're really cute <laughs> i oh, when they when they got to like the when he got back to the house the first time and they're just like the little kids running around and stuff and they're just talking it's st- it's so cute it's
3: so warm and just oh, awesome.
2: yeah. I,
0: I love how uh is like basically the heart of the movie like Cause, like, even, like, a big, like, comedy like this that is, like, mostly just focused on, uh, Cuzco and, like, David Spade's whole comedic stuff, like, the movie knows how to still be grounded, and, like, John Goodman does a great job voicing Pacha, like, he, like, he he knows how to, like, voice a character that has just, like, a lot, like, warmth and, and comfy, like, like, nice. when he voice Sully in Monsters and, like, yeah.
2: take <laughs> Oh my gosh, wait, when we were talking about John Goodman, and then you we were just like, oh yeah, that's Sully, and then I'm like, um, that's... The dude from Roseanne, (laughs) that's, that's literally what I think of first when I see John Goodman because he plays, like, live action person, so I'm like, oh yeah, John Goodman.
3: I, I gotta see a picture because I have no idea what you're talking about. My phone's in my crotch. Hold (laughs) on.
2: I don't know, it's like some show that just
0: is on daytime, whatever. That's what got John Goodman thought, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, you see? yeah. I know what I'm talking about. Like, more people know him now, just for the voice acting. He's done movies like this in Monsters, Inc. But, like, in the 90s, like, everyone knew him for Roseanne.
2: That one dude from The Big Bang Theory came out of this show. Hold on. Wait, who? He was the boyfriend for the
3: girl? Yeah, I don't remember that. That's him! No, like, I don't remember yeah. that
0: show. I didn't watch <laughs> it. I didn't watch it. Oh, my God! I, I just know yeah, it just because, true. like, I know, just, like, TV. My this dad day.
2: watched it, so it was just on TV, and I was like, oh, this show...
0: Roseanne's hurt, and Mom's the remedy. My mommy's better than your mommy. Roseanne! Great. Then, Luther eavesdrops on Dauber. Luther acts like a baby. And Hayden's in the middle.
1: He thought he was talking behind your back!
0: Coach, Tuesday, all starting with 9, 8 central.
1: I was going to talk about how I appreciate the story and the plot of the movie, because the plot is very simple when you look at it. It's a... It's an emperor who's super selfish and doesn't care about anyone and was going to destroy a whole village just to make a pool. And it's just about the movie's just about him becoming a better person. And you can see that he's trying to make the audience think that he's a good person, even though he's not. Like
3: politicians these days. Anyway. (laughs)
1: Like he'll literally Pause the movie when it's about any other character and say, "Hey, hey, hey, let's go back to me." And he paused the movie and broke the fourth wall for the entirety of it. And then at the end, he started doing it less and less. And then he got something where he just stopped and he literally just said, "Leave me alone." And that's when you realize he switched. So he started becoming a better person. And seeing Cusco is like. Him taking the right path and then Isma is taking the wrong path, but they're the same exact character.
3: I was gonna say about the fourth wall breaking. My favorite scene has that. It's the one where they're about to fall off the waterfall, and it zooms out to show like the whole like environment and world. It was really cool, and then it like clips like a PowerPoint. He's like, actually, and then it goes back, and it's really cool on the topic of all of this like you
2: know just like funky stuff happening it reminds me a lot of chowder because like chowder does like all of this like fourth wall breaking and just like really obscure just like things that just don't make sense no like just things that don't make sense like when when they like fell off of the waterfall right and then they get to the the other ones, they get to the, the palace, right? And then they're there before them, and they're like, well, wait, how did that happen? They don't explain it, and they just keep going. Okay. Chowder does the same thing, and I absolutely love that, because nothing makes sense, but you don't question it either. You just go with it. You're like, you know what?
3: Okay. Something that doesn't make sense. Why is there a squirrel in a tropical forest? You know what? I wrote
2: that down because you said that, and I was like, you know what? <laughs>
0: I feel like, like C.H. Greenblatt was like influenced by this movie because like his writing in SpongeBob and Chowder is like it reminds me a lot of this movie's like comedy style. I and love. the
2: scene where they're running and then the lines are like on the map, right? And then the lines are literally in the scene with them running. And the, yeah,
3: that's what I. Meant. <laughs> they did I that, that in SpongeBob and in Chowder, so it was great. Another like odd scene that felt um, scary was the one where he's getting chased by the guardsmen and the whole forest turns red and everything's dark and black and then it just splits back to, like, a rainy forest and he's fine and sad. I'm like, okay. (laughs) That felt really out of nowhere. And as a kid, I remember actually being scared of that.
0: I never got scared by movies. I don't understand that.
2: (laughs) On that. So they talked about Quicksand. I think this is one of the show's movies thingies that just, like... It, like just put this fear of quicksand into every <laughs> child's mind and just made everyone think that quicksand is gonna be something that they're gonna run into <laughs>
3: in the in some point in their life have you seen videos of people walking on quicksand no. you could yes you, you can just, just get out you, over ju- it. you just
2: wiggle your leg out and then you're you,
3: it's you like that out. weird uh liquid solid thing that if you're touching it that it's fine but if you stay still it turns to liquid it's like that
0: I oh, don't watch quicksand videos like all the time. Okay,
3: it comes up on Instagram. But anyways, yeah, this is
2: this is one of the things that planted that little seed into every child's mind. Yeah.
4: Speaking about um, scenery and different stuff, why is there so much water in the movie? Like, why are they constantly? It's falling Peru. Into a I know, but it's just for me. It just was like.
2: Wow. It's literally all ocean, on this. I guess. Side. I
4: don't know. I just was like, huh, there's a lot of water going around.
2: Okay, no more. Speaking of, because we, <laughs> we did that like five <laughs> times in a row. Speaking <laughs> of. Long, long. On the topic of that.
4: <laughs> in,
2: yes, In Josh, the current situation.
1: I'm not sure if it's gonna come up soon, but we haven't talked about the animation yet.
3: Yeah, let's talk about the animation some more. What? I know we mentioned some like distinct silhouettes and shapes, but what about the backgrounds and environments? They were so well drawn and had so much detail, like the heads that were shaped into the castle. They look so cool. I, already... I have a theory
0: about that, but it goes into the whole production thing. I'll save it for later. I already
2: went off on the hill when the day to night, and it just, oh, it's
3: just kiss.
1: I'd say that's considered more character design and landscape than actual animation, just because the animation is the way the characters move and act. But I agree. I said there was flow,
3: and interesting squash and squish, but go off, Josh. (laughs) I'm not an
4: animation major,
1: but I sure do love pictures. (laughs) I'd say the animation holds up really, really well, especially for being 21 years old. Ah, they can drink. (laughs) <laughs> um, I'm pretty I, sure they didn't have an age limit in their time <laughs> um yeah the, the animation was up really really well especially for someone who's just learning to animate it it looked nice but you could still some notice like minor details or things but then again it did have some minor details and things that were really nice so I just I don't want to say really nice over and over again it's I just mean like Like when they were walking, you could see them slightly like face through the ground because it's mud and they were stepping on it. But then again, when it was raining and it was falling on him, the water kind of just disappeared on the same exact spot rather than just dispersing. Like it fell and as soon as it fell, it it went through a black hole rather than like, (laughs) oh, the water fell and scattered or got soaked up by the mud. Mm -hmm. It didn't make much sense. And none of the characters got dirty. They were clean and crispy the entire movie. And it was raining all the time. They,
0: they were fell in the river. They
1: fought each other hanging from a bridge. Um, they got chased by wars. And they, I mean, I get it. They didn't die because it's characters. But they could have <laughs> had like raggedy clothes or something to be like, hey, this mm-hmm. happened. Because they looked clean and comfy the entire movie. I mean, maybe, I mean
0: maybe
3: that's just part of the comedy. Not use yeah. not. Because when she got
0: wet, yeah. her feather yeah. wet. She's so, the villain.
3: Yeah. Her, speaking of her feathers, it, like, helped distinguish her character because it would help her do actions. Or, like, if she was talking down to someone, the feathers on her head would come down and push them to her level. It was really cool to see that. It's Ooh. an extension of her. Yes, it's an extension of her character. They had a really good use of side profiles. It looked like, um, what's it called? You know, like hieroglyphs, where it's like the the sideways drawings rather than head-on or at different quarters. It was really cool to see their profiles. Like Phineas and Ferb.
1: (laughs) Something I appreciated a lot was that the audience itself was a character. How they kept looking at the audience and going like, what's going on? It's like, no one knows, not even the characters do. Um, an example when Isma was like is that really my voice and she turns to the camera and we're like I don't know man and she's like okay and she <laughs> goes with it or every single time he stops the movie um, or even when they fall while they're chasing um, Pancha or Pacha and Cusco and they fall and then they get to the castle like uh, Gio said and they're like how did we get here before you and literally no one knows And or when when um when Kronk is talking to the angel and the devil, and everyone's looking around, and they look at the camera, and then they just continue the movie like nothing happened. It's, it's just, it's great.
3: His devil character was way cooler than the angel. He was doing, like, hand, wait, handstand push-ups, and was like, look at me.
1: <laughs> no, no, he's got a point. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. Um, doo-doo-doo. what was I gonna say? Yeah, um,
2: with the whole thing, with like the the characters talking to the audience, I like how it felt because it didn't feel like they were talking down, like how it feels when you're watching Dora and you're like, what was your favorite part? And like stand there for like, like it felt like natural. It kind of just felt like, yes, I am part of this movie. Thank you very much.
0: Um, I think the whole screenplay just feels natural. That's why I yeah. love the whole thing. Just like, even just like regular conversation between characters, like everything just feels natural. Like the, and I think it's it's both due in part to the writers of the movie and also the cast. Like, everything is just... Perp- like, it just perfectly aligns. Like, Eartha Kitt's, uh, like, chemistry with uh, Patrick Warburton with the voices of like, it's just, like, it's perfect. Like, the, the way they play off of each other is just, like, done so well.
4: That's why I said earlier, like, how casual, like, the conversation between all the characters were just, like, really smooth and really funny. Like, they didn't have to go, like... They didn't have to just stop one conversation to go to another and then go back very, like, roughly. It was just smooth and it didn't feel so awkward about it.
3: The voice actors did amazing. I I felt like, what's the word? I felt immersed in the movie because of how they were speaking. It was like they were really living those moments. The characters were coming to life and it was amazing. Mm -hmm. It was really funny when, when Nisma was a cat, because it's like that trope of like this little angry thing that's cute, even though it's horrible. About the
1: characters... Um, oh, I gotta cough now. <coughs> About the characters... Oh, hold on, I gotta cough. <laughs> About the characters... They never really felt like villains. It never felt like there were villains in the movie. Every it just felt like characters having disagreements, if you will. I know the whole plot was oh Isma's trying to kill Cusco while Cusco's trying to be a better person and he learns through hard work or suffering. But they never felt intimidating or threatening. They were more just uncomfortable. They like oh let's kill Cuzco by poisoning him and then Kronk ends up Almost poisoning all three of them, or hey, that ugly looking lady in the restaurant looks like a llama, Scary and they, beyond reasonable doubt. yeah, everything <laughs> just felt like like if she really wanted to kill him, she would have, but she didn't. And when she tried to, everything failed, so they just came more as a, a small obstacle that was annoying rather than a threat. So at that time, just like, and then at the end, they weren't even villains. They joined everyone, so Isma was a cat, and she's learning how to speak squirrel, and Crunk <laughs> is a, a boy scout, and it, it's great, because, you know, there's no villains, it's, it's just a story. They're all very unique characters.
3: Incompetent. <laughs> um,
0: I, I also love how the movie doesn't overstay its welcome, like, it's only, like, 80-something minutes. Like, it, I, I hate how a lot of the movies, especially, like, recently, like, it feels like they... They have to reach ninety minute mark or like the two hour mark like type of movie. I feel like I, I don't know. Like I feel like if a movie like this was made more recent, then they would try to pad out the movie with like jokes that just land flat. But, like every it's like when they were coming up with jokes for the movies, like they were like very like meticulous with them. Like if it doesn't flow with the movie, it gets cut, and that's why the movie is like so short because it just like, like only what's necessary has to be in the runtime. And I, I appreciate the editing for that.
3: Um. I was going to say, since we're at this point, do you want to bring your whole theory into oh, yeah, play? Could <laughs> I add in one more thing? But first, yeah. Lupin.
4: It's my last note. It's just simply, and I don't know why, but the design for Cusco having his hair still there in a way felt very off. And I realized that he they could have... It's not like I, I don't have a problem with it because if it wasn't there, though, it wouldn't, you know, it, you wouldn't... Kids would probably just look at him and be like, Yeah, that's llama. And if it was silhouetted, you wouldn't know that it was Cusco. Because if it was silhouetted, at least with the hair, then you know that it's him. But I,
3: yeah, I just thought it was. He
4: weird.
2: was still color coded to be Cusco, though. <laughs> yeah, that's no true.
3: No other llama was, was black weird. and red. Listen, he was a really funky looking llama. <laughs> Yo, I
2: literally. <laughs> when, when he started walking. <laughs> yes, I literally put in all caps with like super messy handwriting. Why he run? He looked like rags.
1: <laughs> no. Like I was like, why is he running on his two legs? I don't know. He was putting his butt in the air.
2: Yo, when he was in the restaurant, he was, <laughs>
4: throwing, throwing back. When he was in the restaurant, and he just, you know, okay. he's just moving a little
2: extra <laughs> the to guy. the
4: to the back of the kitchen, and the,
2: the guy just gives him like, a thumbs up. <laughs> oh
3: no. Because the, the waiter like, at wanted the same to say time, your wife is very ugly. Yeah, at say. the
2: same time, the, the waiter, like, after they were like, oh, yeah, we're on our honeymoon.
3: Oh, our waitress.
2: Bless you for coming out in public.
4: <laughs> See, I took that as two, two, like, I didn't realize, but I took that as two ways. One, I mean, I, I didn't make sense to me, because obviously if that was the case, he would have just tried to dress up like a guy or whatever. But, like, for some reason, my brain took that as, like, a double-edged, like, joke, which was one coming out as gay or something, to be I don't know why, but I thought that might have been it. And then Gio explained, like, no, it's just because he, you know
2: Cusco's a fucking llama. He doesn't Oh I was really? really? we we're so close. Cusco is, go is a llama, right? And because and he he's just, dressed up like a woman, he looks ugly. I know, that
3: didn't hit
2: me. Is an ugly woman.
3: I know, that didn't <laughs> hit me.
2: <but> <laughs> she has a long <laughs> llama face.
3: I get what you mean though, in a lot of things they try to make fun of trans people yeah like not okay but in this case it was hilarious
1: the b movie
3: 2008 (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i get what you mean it's always something that's going to be hidden in a lot of our animation as well as bad jokes that Mm -hmm. as long as we acknowledge them and move forward and try to make better work because we need to be inclusive of all inclusive of all people then i mean as cart. soon
4: as as soon as they showed the sign that their no the llamas were allowed in i was like oh i
2: already know <laughs> no like when i heard them say bless you for coming out in public it's like wow your you're you really taking ugly. that outside <laughs> yeah. like you're flaunting that that is your woman the emperor's new group tonight at 8, 7 central
4: on disney channel
3: So, anyway, back to Derek's theory. (laughs)
0: Uh, Well, this is more of a history lesson, more than a theory, but there is a theory at the end, but I have to explain, like, the whole thing first, so... Uh, I don't know if we're going to post these on YouTube, but if we do, I'm going to link a really good documentary that was found called The Sweatbox. It's actually about the production of this movie. Um, Because a lot of people actually don't know this movie had a really, really troubled production cycle. Surprisingly, how well put together this movie is, um, it, had, it went through a, a basically an entire makeover, what it was originally supposed to be. So the documentary is in the perspective of the singer-songwriter Sting, who you all probably don't know. He's a good 90s singer. So he was supposed to do the music for the movie, because the thing is that Emperor's New Groove wasn't supposed to be Emperor's New Groove. It was supposed to be this movie called Kingdom of the Sun, that was supposed to be like their traditional like, musical animated films at, at the time. and i pre-production already started in the mid '90s. So obviously it was going to be like, oh hey, we're doing musicals, so let's just keep like doing what we're doing already. And the movie basically uh, was having a bunch of story issues, and the documentary goes into like full detail of like Sting's perspective because like the story department didn't know what they were writing, and the at the time president of Disney, uh, I don't remember what his name is, something Schumacher. Uh, he was like a really like meticulous and picky with like how Disney and their story team like developed their movies and he was he just kept saying like this movie isn't working and like he just got to the point where it's like we have to scrap the whole movie and just start it all over again and As they should. and but the and Sting was like so frustrated the whole time because they kept telling him to write music, but it's like they're not even gonna use his music in the movie to keep changing the story and the character, like everything kept changing so much, so yeah, they just scrapped the whole movie. And they only kept one song from his that's in the credits. And he actually got an Oscar nomination for it, so good for him. But like, he was just so annoyed with Disney because they just kept reworking it. It was just such a troubled production. Um, but yeah, that's like part of my theory about like the backgrounds and stuff. Like that's the reason why they're so like epic and like grandiose, because it was supposed to be like a big musical epic. And I think one of the reasons why he wanted to make this, too, was in response to movies like The Prince of Egypt, which actually was a really big success for DreamWorks Animation being their only second film, which won an Oscar for its music. And that movie is just, like, the ultimate musical, like, anime musical of the 90s. Like, it just does, like, everything on, like, such a big, massive scale. It doesn't hold back because it doesn't care about its G rating. Just, like, let's go full force with it. Disney, I guess, wanted that with Empire of the Sun. They wanted that movie to be, like, this big epic that takes place in a... a, I guess the same was supposed to be the same, like, in... Art style and all that kind
3: of stuff. I was gonna say something. I wish they did when they broke the fourth wall. I wish they could have like brought up a map and be like, "Oh, if you're wondering where we are, we're in present day Peru." Like something like that, just yeah. to. That's
0: a weird. Yeah, that's like another weird thing too. Because like, um, like the Peruvian like identity, well, that was like a essential part to King of the Sun. And that was like that was like part of the music style, like the characters, like everything, like was about like that culture. And then like in the first new group, like none of that is there because it's all just like a regular comedy movie. And actually, another thing I just thought about now is like, um, with the way that Cusco's palace is designed, like the little thing, geeky layers, like it's like all like sun thing. Like there's always and like even him talking about like the view of the sun and where he was going to build Cusco Topia. Like I could like, like small remnants of Kingdom of the Sun. I feel like are still like in the movie, and I think it's just like really interesting. But the one thing. That Kingdom of the Sun took from us was um, so Yesma was always gonna be the villain, Earth the Kid was always gonna voice her. And like since it was gonna be a musical, she got her own song. It's not the lights. It's such a good song. Like they, they, they made it, like they record it on Spotify on YouTube. I'm gonna show you guys after we finish. Like it's it, it's such a good song. And there's like some like test test like footage, like pencil test of like what they're gonna do for it. It's, it's, so good. Like, it's like it's one of my favorite Disney villain songs. It's so good. That's like, I don't know if the movie itself would have worked, like, because from what, like, if you watch the documentary, like, you'd be able to see for yourself, like, if it would have worked not. like, for me personally, like, watching the documentary, I don't think it would have worked if it was a musical, because, yeah, there were a bunch of story issues, and they weren't sure about the character motivation, so I think making it a comedy into the Emperor's New Groove, I think was ultimately the best choice, but that alternate dimension where we got Kingdom of the Sun, and Isma has one of the best Disney villain songs, that's... That's, that's a possibility. A song that
4: could have been made, like, into covers multiple yes. times to the, the song point that I would get me.
3: annoyed, but I also love it. <laughs> Are we at the end here?
0: Are we at the end? Um,
3: let's quick, just but... kind
2: of... I was just going to mention that um the movie broke us. We had to pause the movie for a good, like, <laughs> almost five minutes because we were laughing so hard at how ugly Yuzuma <laughs> looked with... Her face mask and little cucumbers. Oh, and I wasn't laughing about
4: that. I was laughing. I was laughing, at laughing at Josh, Josh. Josh yeah, was no. laughing.
2: We were laughing. No. It was a domino. Lupe was laughing at Josh. I was laughing at Lupe because Lupe has the best laugh ever.
3: Oh.
2: And it was just a cha- Yeah.
3: And then Lupe started mimicking Josh's laugh. Yes. So yeah. I was laughing harder. And then Derek just stared at us the <laughs> whole time.
0: <Yeah. laughs> oh, actually, I just remember. that. I kind of want to talk about something else with that too because um, I-, I also forgot to mention this. Um, The documentary. It was banned from Disney. Like, they Uh banned that documentary because it it was, at the time, it was the most revealing, like, documentary of, like, Disney ever. And they were, like, especially at the time in, like, the late 90s, they were, like, very protective of, like, the the behind-the-scenes of their work. And, like, since, like, the movie kind of is, like, in the perspective of Sting and, like, how... Because, like, his wife made the documentary and it's, like, she kind of paints Disney in a bad way, especially President Schumacher and, like, his... Like, the way that he ran the company, um... It, Disney does this like the, at first Disney was like okay because well, it technically is a Disney documentary, but then when they realize that's like she shows like how like troubling the production was, they're like no never mind this documentary doesn't exist. So it was, it was shown at film festivals, but it was it was supposed to be like behind the scenes on the DVD of the movie, but they just like axed it completely and it was lost for many years. And then a few years ago, somebody found it and put it on YouTube. So now it's Ooh. it's not lost media anymore. That's how I was able to watch it. It's but, so
3: unfortunate how Disney just decides to, like, pretend their history never happens.
0: But I think they're changing, though, because, like, that that documentary reminds me of the Frozen 2 documentary on Disney Plus, which is very, very, revealing. I think even more than the Sweatbox, because, like, it, it was actually similar to the situation with Sting, where the, the songwriters for Frozen 2, like, they were writing music for the story team, but Jennifer Lee just kept making up stuff, and, like, I don't know what Frozen 2 is about, we don't know what to do with these songs, and, like... Somehow Frozen 2 still got made. I don't know how they made that movie, but it was a very similar thing. And, like, I guess to me, it kind of just, like, raises the question, like, should Disney do what they do with Emperor's New Groove more often? Like, should they just, like, completely axe a movie and just, like, start from scratch? Because, like, it worked well with Emperor's New Groove, but, like, it's not always guaranteed that's going to happen.
3: It's not always guaranteed, but if it means taking the extra time to make sure that the movie is a good movie they should do it because a lot of times they'll try to rush they'll try to meet a due date and then we get movies we don't like
0: <laughs> we'll try
3: to save it when you really
0: can't yeah yeah i guess
3: so okay bye no i don't like that bye again bye
2: all
3: right that was <laughs> <laughs> bye no okay no it's to be bye su- three two bye bye, yeah. bye.
4: Join us again next time. Same Kablam time, same Kablam Network.